Good morning. Welcome to this hour of worship. Whatever the condition of your week, whatever the condition of this morning, it was the condition of your heart that got you here this morning. And I am so, so glad, and I know that God is smiling upon us as well. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm Ann Kovan, and uh, just welcome you to Central United Methodist Church. It's our mission to follow Jesus, love God, and love others, and we do a lot of that. We do a whole lot of that here, and that's why I'm going to take a, a few minutes and just fill you in on everything that uh, I'm going to highlight or things that you can do to connect, uh, to uh, follow Jesus, love God, and practice loving others. Um, you can find our bulletin on our website, centralmethodist.net, and you can sign up to receive our emails, um, not just the bulletins, but we have uh, news updates and announcements and reminders about things that are, that are going on each week. Um, also on our web stri- uh, website, uh, we stream all of our services. Um, you can, uh, if you can't be here on a Sunday morning, you can join us uh, via live stream. You can also go to our YouTube channel or the website later in the week and catch whatever you might have missed. Thomas and I preach the same text, same theme every Sunday, and it's really cool to see how, uh, how we each uh, are, um, interpret it and articulate it. A lot of people will watch both. I encourage you. That's a really good way to take two different views of the same text. Today is Legacy Sunday. If you have uh, been a member here 25 years um, make sure you get this blue ribbon. If you, weren't, if you didn't take one when you um, came in, uh, we want you to collect one of these um, before we start the service. And uh, um, later we're going to give you a, uh, a pen, a 25-year pen. And anybody else who doesn't get one of these or hasn't got their 25-year pen, if you see these people, you ask them how they did it. Because they endured, right? They've endured pastors that they didn't like. They've endured denominational decisions that they didn't agree with. They have put up with contrary church members and people saying hurtful things. And and yet they're still here because they love their church and they love serving God and loving others through this church. Um, Today we are also beginning... um, our stewardship, and uh, part of our stewardship is giving ourselves, our gifts as an offering to the church, and um, the next three weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to get one of these every member in ministry forms. We have them for adults, we have one for youth, and we have one for children. Uh, Be in prayer as you review these and discern how the Spirit may be leading you to do a new thing and um, indicate this on your form and we'll have an opportunity later in the service to commit these um, to God and to the church. We have any uh, wigglers in here? Any uh, 3K through 2nd grade? We It's our second week of welcome wigglers and um, Brandy will get them from the Sunday school class so they'll go from here to Sunday school and then she'll take them and today... They will be in the well. They'll be learning about worship 
uh, in what it means and, and how it takes place in the well. Tonight for our youth is a very, very popular event, Underground Church. Uh, it'll go from 5.30 and it'll end at 7. There's no dinner being served tonight and uh, they're going to have a lot of fun. I see Julie's in here with us this morning. It'll be uh, controlled chaos, hopefully, and a lot, a lot of fun. I'm also very, very excited to remind everybody that next week is special Music Sunday. And at, we are going to have uh, brass, we're going to have the choir, brass quintet, the uh, timpani. We're going to be premiering the anthem that was uh, dedicated to our 150th year um, anniversary that was delayed by two years because of COVID, um, followed by a reception in Spears at 10 a.m. I'm really looking forward to that and hearing that, and I encourage you, uh, to be here next week and celebrate our music program. Okay, let's make that transition from getting here to being here and center our hearts, our minds, and the deepest parts of our being on what it means to follow Jesus by loving God and loving neighbor. The Lord has searched and known us. The knowledge of God is beyond our understanding.
And now while we are standing, let us say what we believe. We'll use the Apostles' Creed found in Selection 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. may be seated, and I invite you to join with me as we pray our colic and the Lord's Prayer. You'll find it in your order of worship. Almighty God, our maker and deliverer, defend with your protection those who you satisfy with heavenly gifts, that being set free from all hurtful things, we may press onward with our whole hearts, to the salvation which comes from you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, we now pray as your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I get to welcome you this morning to worship with us. And I do so whether you're sitting right here in the sanctuary with us or if you're joining us over the Internet. We are very glad that you are here today. Um, We are. We've got kind of a big day today. In addition to just a few minutes, we'll recognize our legacy members. Uh, Today is also the day when we'll start a stewardship And we'll talk about what our commitments, our intentional commitments, are going to be for the coming year. So if you will, hopefully everyone's got a card. These are the children and the youth cards. I know Pastor Ann just showed them to you. And the adult ministry cards. 
at least choose one ministry for this coming year to intentionally commit to. And I will tell you, the ushers tell me that the ushering was left off of here and that we do have need of ushers. So if you're interested, you can write that in. If you'll just take a few moments now as you look at these forms, but also to look at the end of your pews and find that fellowship pad and sign it and pass it onward. Um, That's a wonderful way to say you're here and you're ready to worship. And I want to remind you that in addition to committing to serving, you are invited to all of our ministries here at Central, whether you're a member or not. And if you're interested in joining this congregation, we want to talk to you. If you'll just call the office and set up an appointment with one of the clergy or see us after the service, we would love to talk to you about joining this Christian community. And so now I'm going to ask our brand new legacy members to come forward. And those of you that are already legacy members, 25 years, just stand where you are. And the new ones come forward. I see you out there. Getting younger every year. Let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your word that tells us that you will be with us, that your spirit enables us to persevere in all things. Thank you for the birth of your church that came through Jesus Christ, his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, that we might go forward and be the hands and the feet of Christ through your church. Help us all to continue to strengthen this church through our generous offerings of our gifts, our presence, our service, and our witness. And be with these members, Lord, and bless them for their commitments and their service, Lord. Let this continue to be a home for them, a sanctuary that builds them up in love and joy and hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's hard to see you, Britton, as I was her mentor during confirmation. Everybody have a seat. Thank you so much. All right, I just aged a little bit in those few moments. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our, um, our Old Testament lesson today is from Amos, from the 8th chapter, and I will be sharing with you verses 4 through 7. And so I invite you to hear now the word of our Lord. Hear this. You that trample on the needy and bring ruin to the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our epistle lesson this morning is from Paul's letter to Timothy. I'll be reading the first Timothy, um, the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. So Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind. Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all, this was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And in response, our act of praise is from Psalm 113. You'll find it in selection 834 in your hymnal. I'll invite you to stand as you are able and join me. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is high above all nations, God's glory above the heavens. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of God's people. be seated and I'll invite the children to come forward. Good morning. Everybody doing well this morning? Okay, you settled. Okay. 
All right. Y'all did a really good job at that. Um, so I'm curious, why do we put money in this plate? Tell me, Anna Reed. For the elderly people. A gotcha, gotcha. Well, you're right, you're right. And I, yes, I know, I know. Some of the sick, the elderly, people that have needs, we put our money in the offering plate and we use it as the body of Christ, as all the people part of our church, to help others who have needs, right? And so, Today, and in the next few weeks, we're thinking about what we're going to do to serve God and others. And part of that is what we call every member in ministry. And so from very early, when you're young, until, let's say, 104. From 4 to 104, we'll go to that. We have opportunities to serve God and serve others. And that's what these little forms are, these little cards. And if you'll see those for children, that's you guys, are these orange ones up here, right? And what you do is you choose one or two ministry areas, or however many you want, and say, in this next year, for the time I'm four, five, or six, I'm going to do this in our church. And we try to get every person in this church to commit to one ministry area. So in the next few weeks, you'll get an opportunity to do this. Did you get a card today? You did get a card? Okay. You didn't, but you can next week or the week after. And we're going to give you an opportunity to lay them out on the chance reel, kind of like we do in the offering plate. It's your offering to God, just like this is. Okay? All right, so we'll think about this, we'll learn more about it, and y'all will think about your ministry areas. Because you know what? You're all ministers, right? You are. You're all ministers. Maybe a little bit different type of ministry than I do, but every one of you is a minister. And so are they. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, God, for calling me to serve others. Help me serve. In the name of Jesus, who loves us, we pray. Amen. All right.
We continue in Luke's Gospel today, and we're in the 16th chapter, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. And then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that When I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, How much do you owe? And he replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so then when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. Whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. So Thomas has been talking to you the past three Sundays about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and uh, I'm continuing with that today. Before we get into uh, what followers of Jesus do, I want to reflect on one of the deep questions of humanity, one that has been hotly debated but never settled. The question is, why did the chicken cross the road? And I have an answer to that question. Uh, When I was serving my first appointment in Floyd's, which is at Duford Crossroads between Green Sea and Nichols on Highway 9 in Horry County, I found myself visiting the oldest matriarch of the church. She was giving me a tour of her yard, which looked exactly like the barnyards in the illustrations of my childhood, childhood books. There were guineas darting around and making a racket. There were chickens pecking and ranging. There were goats in a pen looking at me with their hooded eyes. Cats were lounging in the sunlight. 
All that was missing was a brown cow and a rooster crowing on top of a weather vane. But that peaceful scene was disrupted when a stray dog came around the side of the barn. It scattered the guineas, panicked the hens, and she immediately went into farm woman mode and somehow managed to gather the chickens and get them into the coop quickly. But one chicken, one chicken escaped, ran across Highway 9, and disappeared into a cornfield. So the question is, it didn't, uh, it became not just why does a chicken cross the road, but what does the chicken owners do when the chicken crosses the road? What does the chicken's owner and the owner's preacher do when the chicken crosses the road? You go after it. You chase it. So we ran across Highway 9. She was outpacing me through the corn. Somehow we tracked this chicken down. She gathered it up and we went back over to her house with the hen uh, safely tucked under her arm. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm officially a country pastor. I got my license that day and I still carry it in my wallet. This was a community of people who knew how to grow food. It was an agricultural community, a farming community They knew how to grow food, and you know what? They loved to give it away. They loved to give it away. Like so many people who have abundant gardens, they work hard at producing a high yield, and whatever was extra after eating the fresh food, canning what they needed, they passed it on down the line to people who had none, which in this case was often Andy and I getting the benefit of all of this fresh produce that they would bring on Sunday mornings in bags overloaded with okra and cucumbers and tomatoes and potatoes and peas and lima beans, and I could go on. So Andy and I got in the game. We got ourselves some chickens who began producing more eggs than we could eat. So then we were able to contribute to this beautiful economy of being fruitful, taking what you need, and passing on the rest on down the line. The tomato wealthy made sure that the tomato-less had tomatoes. It's an economy of mutual concern, compassion, an understanding, awareness of people's needs and wants within, and I'm getting to the context of this passage, this economy of concern and passion and generosity within, right, a larger and bigger economy that promotes profits, accumulates wealth, hides wealth, uses connection with people not out of generosity or to build communities of love, but to climb higher and higher in status and wealth. This is a difficult passage. You you have to read it in context to understand what Jesus is talking about. He's not promoting that we be dishonest with wealth. 
Jesus uses the words in different translations. It's dishonest wealth and money. In some, it's wicked wicked money or wicked wealth. He's describing the prevailing culture of greed that is inescapable. This economic culture in which this rich landowner, this rich landowner or the master, He's using this to describe the prevailing culture of greed in this day and time that Jesus is instructing the people around him. This economic culture in which this rich landowner, he's a one percenter. He's extracting money from the people that he controls without ever coming into contact with the people who are under him, his tenant farmers. This is not that different than the norms, right? The prevailing culture, the economic structure that we live in and follow today. So when we study this in context, this teaching of Jesus, it falls after, right? What did we, what did we read and study last week? The loss, the, the discovering and finding, reclaiming the little, the little thing that was lost. Bringing it back to the person who needs it the most. And before that, we had the parable of the rich man and his banquet. And he went out, right, into all of the land and invited all of the poor people, the nobodies, the wretched, and invited them into his home to dine at his table with him sharing his riches with those who had none. And then just after this in Luke chapter 16 is the the story of Lazarus, the poor man who dies and goes to heaven, and the rich man who goes to hell because he never sees Lazarus, and he never sees Lazarus as a human being with needs. Jesus, he, he calls the master's wealth and the system that has benefited him at the cost of his employee and those who owe him money. Wicked. Jesus calls his money and his wealth wicked. Jesus compares the economic system that increases the divide between those who have wealth, the rich, and those who have little, the poor. He says that those who operate in that economic system are slaves to it. The master is actually the slave to the economic system from which he has benefited at the cost of all of those who are below him on the economic scale. He calls the the children of light, right, or those who operate within a different structure, a different way of thinking, that is a way of generosity and giving, that is freedom that releases us from slavery to the sin of love of money. So this rich absentee landlord, he, uh, he, reprimand, he represents the kingdom that followers of Jesus do not belong to. The rich man, he fires his employee when his profits dip below what was satisfactory to him. We know 
We know that his wealth was enormous, extravagant, and that his profits were excessive. We know this because he's able to absorb the loss of half of the income that he was expecting to receive from his tenant farmers who were in debt to him. 50% is low as much as 50%, and he just is able to, okay, if it makes me more popular, yeah, I'll give them that deal. Followers of Jesus abide by a completely different view of wealth where whether a person has $10 million or 10 tomatoes, we give down the line to those who have less not up the line to those who can gain us favor and advance us in social standing and wealth. We know what Jesus teaches us about wealth and possessions and money. How exactly is Jesus calling us to think differently about wealth and money and possessions? What does it look like for us in real time. Let's look in the passage and see where the change occurs. Where does the change occur? Where does it shift? The shift is when the manager leverages his power to build relationship with the tenants who are beneath him. He sees the tenants He comes in contact with the tenants. He sees them. He asks them questions. He learns what their specific needs are. He hears them on their level. And he advances their financial standing in a way that establishes friendship. Friendship. Jesus wants us to think of dollars like Cucumbers and tomatoes. Use and save what we need for health and simple pleasures and then pass the rest on down the chain. Look, we don't get all twisted up and let our lives get controlled by cucumbers and potatoes and peppers. We shouldn't let money get us twisted up and control us and pull us into the wrong kind of of kingdom, like a gardener sows his rose out of a sense of generosity. Jesus calls us to cultivate a spirit of generosity by knowing the needs, knowing others, by putting community before profit. So what does it look like to live a Christ economic within the system of this age? Jesus doesn't ask us to tear down the system. He doesn't show a master, a landowner, a wealthy man that loses all of his possessions. 
The first thing is to hear the groans of those who suffer, to understand their pain, to witness their hope. We do this through the activity of discipleship and mission and ministry. And you have those forms, all of those, wherever God may be calling you, whatever you discern discern as your truth, will bring you in contact with people that will expand your understanding of what generosity, whether with money or your time or your passion, should look like. He can take small steps. I don't believe God wants us to just tear down our entire lives and put our children, our families at risk and insecurity. But we can take small steps to decrease our dependency and our delight, our delight in things that we do not need. We can resist being slaves to our jobs. We can alter our schedules to spend more time with our families and with our church. Give away anything you don't use in a year. Donate it. Give it away. Don't replace it. I encourage you, review all of your subscriptions, all your paid apps. Evaluate what you use. What are your habits? Where you spend needlessly on more lattes than you really need. Put those either temporarily aside or permanently aside and and give that allotment of money to someone who needs it. If you are a fashion person, let a trend pass on by. Just one trend and resist buying whatever the latest purse is or the latest pair of shoes, you can pick up whatever the next one is and, and take that money that you would spend and give it to someone in need. A lot of us are uncomfortable giving money directly to people in need. It's uh, something we're uncomfortable with. There's so many other ways to give through your church to missions and ministry that then go and serve and help people in other ways besides just giving them money. Invest your money in businesses that provide employment and aid to the disabled, the disenfranchised. The world's always going to need people with lots of cash. Always. Check writers. But following Jesus also takes using our hands and our feet to lessen the gap between the rich and the poor. All right, I discovered the answer to why the chicken crosses the road. It crossed the road because it was afraid, it was running from a threat. In survival mode. Beloved children of God, Jesus doesn't drive us 
to make these changes by scaring us or making us be afraid of living with less or not having enough, Jesus calls us to follow him across this threshold in a different kind of kingdom where there is abundance for all people, an abundance of love and hope and joy and purpose for all people. When we follow Jesus, we begin to think differently about money. When we follow Jesus, we discover the deeper meaning of life. We do this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let us pray together. Lord Jesus, you have taught us that loving God above all else is our purpose and goal. And we have learned for ourselves that when we replace love for you with love for things, that we find ourselves lost and unhappy. Lord, help us remember that we cannot serve God and serve wealth. God, today as we intentionally set our plans for the use of our offerings and spiritual gifts in this coming year, we ask that you help us to work together for the good of the body of Christ and of your world. Help us find joy in serving. Help us grow closer to you and one another in relationships. God, you've taught us and called us to care and pray for one another, and so we lift up those in need, for those who are hurting, for those who are lonely, ill, grief-stricken, for those in Taiwan and around the world who face natural disasters, we ask for your care. For those who wake up every day to the world of war and destruction, we pray for peace. For those who wander with no safe home, we pray for blessings and a better life and for us to be a part of making that happen. And for all of us, Lord, who sometimes get lost in the pursuits of this world, We ask for your presence, for your guidance, for your mercy. And so we praise you and offer our gratitude for your great love for us. And we give thanks for the many blessings you have provided, most of all, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. In just a few moments, as we call our ushers together to collect our offering, I'm going to ask that you spend this time and think about how you're going to spend your time in ministry. At the end of the service, as we sing our last hymn, I'll encourage everyone, starting with the very first verse, to come up and just 
lay your offering of the every member in ministry form on the chancel rail. So we'll collect the offering as normal, but the offering of your ministry will lay on the chancel rail during the last hymn and just return to your seat and then we'll process out as normal. And so now I'll call our ushers forward.